Ten years later, Joe Morelli was still living two blocks over. He'd grown up big and bad, with eyes like black fire one minute and melt-in-your-mouth chocolate the next. He had an eagle tattooed on his chest, a tight-assed, narrow-hipped swagger, and a reputation for having fast hands and clever fingers. My best friend, Mary Lou Molnar, said she heard Morelli had a tongue like a lizard. Holy cow, I'd answered. What's that supposed to mean? Just don't let him get you alone and you'll find out. Once he gets you alone, that's it. You're done for. I hadn't seen much of Morelli since the train episode. I supposed he'd enlarged his repertoire of sexual exploitation. I opened my eyes wide and leaned closer to Mary Lou, hoping for the worst. You aren't talking about rape, are you? I'm talking about lust. If he wants you, you're doomed. The guy is irresistible. Aside from being fingered at the age of six by you-know-who, I was untouched. I was saving myself for marriage, or at least for college. I'm a virgin, I said, as if this was news. I'm sure he doesn't mess with virgins. He specializes in virgins. The brush of his fingertips turns virgins into slobbering mush. Two weeks later, Joe Morelli came into the bakery where I worked every day after school. Tasty pastry on Hamilton. He bought a chocolate chip cannoli, told me he'd joined the Navy, and charmed the pants off me four minutes after closing on the floor of Tasty Pastry, behind the case filled with chocolate eclairs. The next time I saw him, I was three years older. I was on my way to the mall, driving my father's Buick, when I spotted Morelli, standing in front of Giovichini's meat market. I gunned the big V8 engine, jumped the curb, and clipped Morelli from behind, bouncing him off the front right fender. I stopped the car and got out to assess the damage. Anything broken? He was sprawled on the pavement, looking at my skirt. My leg. Good, I said. Then I turned on my heel, got into the Buick, and drove to the mall. I attribute the incident to temporary insanity, and in my own defense, I'd like to say I haven't run over anyone since. During winter months, wind ripped up Hamilton Avenue, whining past plate glass windows, banking trash against curbs and storefronts. During summer months, the air sat still and gauzy, leaden with humidity, saturated with hydrocarbons. It shimmered over hot cement and melted road tar. Cicadas buzzed, dumpsters reeked, and a dusty haze hung in perpetuity over softball fields statewide. I figured it was all part of the great adventure of living in New Jersey. This afternoon, I decided to ignore the August buildup of ozone catching me in the back of my throat and go, convertible top down, in my Mazda Miata. 
The air conditioner was blasting flat out. I was singing along with Paul Simon. My shoulder-length brown hair was whipping around my face in a frenzy of frizz and snarls. My ever-vigilant blue eyes were coolly hidden behind my Oakleys, and my foot rested heavy on the gas pedal. It was Sunday, and I had a date with a pot roast at my parents' house. I stopped for a light and checked my rearview mirror, swearing when I saw Lenny Gruber two car lengths back in a tan sedan. I thunked my forehead on the steering wheel. Damn! I'd gone to high school with Gruber. He was a maggot then, and he was a maggot now. Unfortunately, he was a maggot with a just cause. I was behind on my Miata payments, and Gruber worked for the repo company. Six months ago, when I'd bought the car, I'd been looking good, with a nice apartment and season tickets to the Rangers. And then, bam, I got laid off. No money, no more A1 credit rating. I reached.